Hello, everyone, and welcome to Spiritist Conversations, a show where we get together with friends to talk about the world through a spiritist lenses in an unplugged, unscripted, and fun way. I'm your host, Dan Assisi, and I'm joined here today by my very uh, friendly and smart co-hosts, Susana Simões and Flavio Zanetti. How are you guys doing? Doing very well, Dan. Hello to you and to Flavio. Good to be with you guys again. Doing well here too, guys. It's so great to see you both and looking forward to yet another Spiritist Conversations. That's right. It's been a cool minute. We have not been able to get together. Lots of different scheduling issues as we gather from different parts of this great United States of America, from the West Coast to the East Coast, up and down. Just great to be here with you guys again. And today we have a good show, guys. We're going to talk about one of the topics that comes up all the time in Spiritism, especially for those who are learning Spiritism. And it's a little bit sometimes of confusing for some folks. Umbrao. That does not roll out of the, th the tip of your tongue, does it? Umbrao. <laughs> Dill. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> not quite, yeah. Not quite. Um, yeah, continue your excitement, Flavio. We don't want you to be all bubbly and happy here today on the show. <laughs> and, right, and who are we bringing here to be with us today to talk about this, Flavio? We're bringing a very expert, so to speak, from the topic. <laughs> It's a very dear friend of mine here from the great Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Mr. Mello is here with us again. Welcome, Mr. Mello. Hello, Flavio. Hello, Dan. Hello, Susanna. I'm glad I'm back. And uh, hopefully we were able to find a good time for us to be together in different time zones, some of us, but all together at the same time, at the same moment. So, Mackenzie, tell us, what kind of experience do you have about, you know, with Umbrau? Flavio told us that you were very experienced. <laughs> what yeah, does that mean? I have, a few, I have a few good friends uh, at, at, at that zone, and uh, sometimes we, we manage to get together. It's kind of hard to get together with all of them at the same moment, but sometimes we, are, uh, we manage to do so. Some of them travel far away, you know, go to Italy. Some of them go to the UK. Most of us, you know, stay here in the US, right, Susanna? But all of us, you know... We, I see what you're doing there, sir. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but it's really great to have you here. It's been a while since you've been with us on the show. But then again, it's been a while since we've had a show too. Um, so, you know, you fit right in. Thanks for making the time. And can I just say how exciting it is to be here with all of you guys one more time, have a chance to be able to talk about things that are that speaks to, to, to our hearts and to our minds. And I know there's some viewers popping in as well from different places. want to say hello to... To Paula from Indiana, for instance, that's dropping in. And so very exciting. So, But let's not wait that much, right? Because that's not our thing. We just jump into things. What is Umbrau? Why don't you take a stab at it? Susanna opened up her mouth, so I think she wants to jump in. She, she moved. She moved. She, she definitely moved. <laughs> or, or at least, I, Susanna, how about this? What, what do people think it is, and why is it important that we talk about it? some purgatorial zone. I think that's the first association that people have when they think of Umbrau, is the purgatory of spiritism. 
So won't you See, won't you agree with that? That's why yeah. we we have Susanna start these things. She goes right in with the with the big words, with the big concepts. I, I think is a great way of putting it. I think a lot of people say, oh, umbrow and spiritism is like purgatory, right? And and then I think that's a conversation that we, we should be had. But I think we can say that umbrow is never really used in a happy context. Right. right. It's not like, yay, you know, when I pass from my physical body, I am looking forward to going to umbrow, said <laughs> no one ever. Right. But I, I, I want to be I want to be a devil's advocate already. That's my role here. As you guys know, you know, we always we always have these uh, conversations and I like to play many poke holes and some of the definitions. Yes, I've heard that before. The umbrella is like a purgatory. But if I wanted to maybe double click on that, purgatory, yes, we, you know, folks, you know, from different you know, traditions, purgatory is a place that you go that you don't really qualify for the quote unquote heaven, but you don't qualify for hell either. So you go to purgatory and you go there forever. Is umbrella the same approach? Do we go to umbrella forever? My understanding is a little different. Who wants to tackle yes. that? Yes, yes. Are you saying that Umbrau is the bureaucratic office of the afterlife where, you know, your process gets stuck there and you never leave? <laughs> well, uh, Umbrau, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny that... Uh, the way we think about umbrow and uh, the way we in uh, in spiritism talk about it right because um a, a lot of us you know joke that we are going there or we are going to be stationed there for a while and then we move on and um independently i think that where we are going to or where we we might end up in uh, we all have, independently of religion, we all have the same kind of idea that everybody one day will be in a place where they don't like to be, but they are there because of stuff that they did in the past, of, the, of what they did in their lives. And then once we grow up and once we uh, mature mentally, physically, spiritually, um, psychologically we can we can all understand that uh, there will be a moment in time where we will be suffering because of stuff that we did or because of something that happened to me and then i'm there and i'm kind of stuck and for us to get unstuck from that place we have to actually do something to move on from that place and um despite what flavio said my my understanding and i'm not an expert uh, but my understanding was that purgatory is not an eternal thing differently than uh, heaven and hell. Purgatory to me, and I, I was never a Catholic, but uh, on my conversations with some folks, uh, we, I always had that idea that it's, the, and maybe that's why we, we always tend to think of umbrow as if it's a purgatory, because once you're in purgatory and the word itself kind of uh, implies that that you're there to purge you're there to remove from you something that should not be there so from there there's only one way it's one way up you may stay there for a very long time don't get me wrong uh it but it's not supposed to be eternal so it's not as bad as hell 
but is not, of course, not even close to be good as, as heaven. Although I have to say that I, had, I have some friends that would rather stay forever in purgatory than going to, to, to heaven to have harps and angels all around them all the time. So it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, you know, talking about Umbra, we have to talk about the edges as well. Otherwise, I don't, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, and, and maybe we'll get into the definition of the word, but the word Umbra, it actually refers to like a passage from yes. one state to the other. So, yeah, but I already yeah. spoke too much. Go ahead. No, no, no. I know we're not here to talk about purgatory, but it's it's important to mention that purgatory was not originally in the scriptures. It was actually introduced, I believe, in the 11th century, if I'm not mistaken, as a new concept because folks were like, hey, I'm not good enough, but I'm not bad you know, either. Where do I go? And they started questioning and challenging the, uh, uh, the the clericals you know, from that time. That's when they, quote, unquote, like, came up with the definition of purgatory. Uh, but to your point, right, uh, Mackenzie? It's uh, it, it it it's not it's not you know uh, in a way something that you know we talk a lot you know in spiritism we use a lot of the definition of umbrella because that's what we learn from the books that we study. The, I mean, I'm sure folks have read or, or watched the movie Nosolar, which in our home, which has a great demonstration of where Andrew Lewis stays in Umbra for eight years until something happens. I think this is the, the pivotal moment, right? Do we get to leave Umbra when we get there? What makes us be able to leave if we you know, encounter ourselves there? Oh, my God. You guys are so smart. I don't even need to, like, do anything. Why am I in this podcast? I should just listen to you guys. Somebody had to um, turn the lights on, I guess. Somebody, yeah, that, that's my job right here. Um, <laughs> I love that you mentioned, I love that you mentioned uh, Nosolar, which sometimes is referred to in Astral City, as Astral City, the book, too. Some translations yeah. will do it differently. Um, but as a matter of fact, Flavio, I think that the first time that we see the word Umbrau, as far as I know, in Spiritism, mm -hmm. is in that book. Mm -hmm. um, and it was published in 1944. So that is, you know, almost 100 years ago and was really an uh, iconic book, I think, in Spiritism that many people refer to. And I think in spirituality in general, if you think about it, because it's a, it's a first person narrative of of this person, this person called Andrea Lewis, right, who passed over to the other side and found himself in not so great places, Umbrau, and then that's his journey out, right, of the spiritual purgatory, so to speak. And 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 there are other books in our history of our human history that sort of are similar in nature, but I think none of them has have ever been as detailed. So if you have not read the book, or what, there's a movie too now, right. That might be a reading recommendations there for 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 us who are reading or I'm sorry listening or watching this, but I think your point is really great because the word umbra pops up in that book and that's when we first see that and I think a lot of people when they read that the first parts of the book there's a lot of suffering, right? He's going through a lot of challenges there figure figure out what's happening, and I think that's where that idea that umbra is a negative thing stuck. But I also love that you were talking about uh, the origin of the word and everything else. So it makes sense that we, we would think about this. And it makes sense that we also equate it to purgatory, right? Because yeah. in many different ways, if we define purgatory as a temporary place to be for us to kind of sync up or readjust or realign, 
right? Or refilter, rebalance, whatever it is that you want to call. I'm sure you will find a word much smarter than the ones I'm using. Uh, then it kind of makes sense to equate both of them together. Yeah, one of the things that I really like um, that um, Mackenzie uh, said is that it's hard to speak about the idea of umbrau without also considering um, the idea of uh, hell and, and heaven. And I would say, in general, the idea of what happens to the soul once it's outside of the spirit the, the physical body, right? So where do we go? And what determines where we go? And what composes, what is the composition? What are those places made of? So I think there are a lot of questions that can be answered for which we have uh, some um, explanations in spiritism and i think that this is one of the greatest services that spiritism does which is to actually explain some of the laws and the um the, the life after death with a little bit more of specifics than these very general and sometimes even abstract ideas of what the afterlife is so, you know, I just want to put that, I can't go on, but I don't want to, um, you know, just keep talking. So maybe one of you want to um, share a little bit about what is the spiritual concept of what happens after we uh, leave our physical body, what determines the place that we go and what is this place made of after all? Yeah, one other thing that I, uh, that I, um, before maybe we, we go that far, is uh, we also think. Uh, That's when the starting talk... line. What do you mean that far? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm a, I'm a slug, so I'm moving very, very slowly. <laughs> so um, is that also because when we talk about we're going to, we talk about a place like you just said and right, that's, right. that's very interesting to think about because you know like then said and and, and, and well, all of us said um when andre Luis talks about this he's at he's in or he's on but he's at a place he's somewhere he exists mm -hmm. he doesn't have his body but he exists and he's somewhere so what is this somewhere or where is this somewhere and is is it and, and the question ends up being is it the place that makes it be an umbrau or is it or is it not a place that makes it an umbrau is it something that's inside of me or is it really a physical place and to this i mean we could go on and on and on but one thing that i like to think about is uh, uh independently of if it is a place or if it is a state of mind a state of soul um we would have to have a name for either for this state or for this place or for this situation that we are in and i love when kardec he doesn't talk about umbra but i love when kardec at the beginning of um, the, the the spirits book when he talks about the world the word uh soul right and he says something that to me is very very sane he says at one point, even if 
there was no soul, even if the soul was just something that was made up by a human mind, we would have to have a name for it. Because we have to have names for things that we think about so that we can refer to that thing when we are talking about that thing, be it a real thing or be it not a real thing. Umbrau, in that sense, to me, is something that's it's more like this world, this word, or this concept, this idea of for us to, to uh, ped pedagogically or educationally talk about something that we will always, or we will, not always, but we will live and we are going to live and maybe we are living right now. So it's not necessarily a place and we know that because... Even uh, in uh, André Luiz, when he is talking about that and when he is kind of saved or taken from there or uh, rescued, as the word I think that he uses, there, he says that there were other people around him that he could not see it. So they were both at the same place, but he could not see or feel the other ones because mm -hmm. he was just in a different vibration. He was as if um, he was uh, an ultraviolet and the other person, the other spirit was like uh, in, on a visible spectrum. So we could not see it. There are, there are waves and different types of light passing through us right now that we cannot see it. We can feel it sometimes when it's too hot and we can feel those hot waves or cold waves, but we cannot see it. So it's kind of the same idea. So. This idea of umbrau, and I'm sorry, and I apologize if I'm I'm broadening this up too much, but this idea of umbrau to me is is uh, uh, it's to me it's not a place. To me personally, it's not a place, but it's it is of what we make of the place where we are. It is what we feel where, where we are. Although there is a place for that. But some people that are in a hospital, for example, although they might be or they are physically in a hospital, but some of them are doctors, so they are not suffering. So being in your brow on the other, uh, you know, even if it's a place, it's not necessarily because I belong to that place or mm -hmm. as if I, uh, I am, I suffered or I did something wrong to be there. No, maybe I chose to be there. Maybe I want to be there to help other people. So it's kind of a complex idea. Uh, and I just wanted to throw this, this yeah. all to you. I love that. And I would actually say that, you know, the way I look at it, it's not dissimilar at all. And I think it's sort of both for me. It's a state of mind and a region. And to go back to, I think, what Susanna was teeing us up for, which is really great, too, is, you know, from our perspective... We know that we have this essence of who we are, which we call our spirit. And we all know this is one certainty in life, right? Benjamin Franklin, death and taxes. This body will fa fail and falter at one point in time. And I will die, right? It's, it's sometimes unfortunate for us to think about this. It causes people consternation. They get worried about it. But it's one certainty that we do have and that we don't talk that often about it, right? And in that moment... Religions in general have also promised us that there is an afterlife, but nobody has really been able to fully assert and say, hey, this is what's going to happen to you. 
And I think that's really a great value of spiritism that we dive a little bit into that space because we actually can't tell you a little bit of what's going to happen to you because we, with the, with the learning mediumship, as we have you know, done, and, and this is kind of the origin of spiritism, we have actually been gathering reports from people on the other side. And so they're actually telling us firsthand, such as Andre Luis in this book, right, what it could look like. And we have learned a couple of things. And one of those things is that our mental attitude, uh, our worldview, our experiences, the way we see and think the world are important. And that carries with us when we pass to the other side. We may leave the physical body. I may not look the same, and I hope I don't. But when I get there, what I have done and how I think will not be dissimilar. And, you know, because there's a law of attraction, like attracts like, I will likely be gravitated or hang out with people who are just like me because that's what happens, right? And in this particular case, if my worldviews, if my attitudes and habits are not as healthy or if they're really materialistic, I will be attracted to people that are on the same scale. And if I'm not aware, for instance, that I have passed away or that I even believe in spirituality, which is quite common, I might be attracted to regions with other people that think the same way, and that might be difficult, right? And so I do think that it is a mental state of mind in which the way I think will dictate like if I'm happy or not. But because I think a certain way in the spirit realm, Without a physical body, the law of attraction will work even in a greater fashion and will bring people together. And it will create these regions, these locales, where spirits that are happy or not so happy hang out. Now, having said that, I think that there's not just one place where we could say, oh, that's a purgatorio or whatever it is own, right? And it's obviously not forever because where's the justice in that, right? We can, we can improve. And what I think is really and, cool too. Yeah, go ahead. No, in the law of progress. So where is justice and the law of progress? So yeah. we, we, we are always progressing. So, um, no, I was just going to add that to what you're yeah. saying. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry. Oh, no, not at all. Please, please do. That's what we do best, right? And so I think that your point, Mackenzie, is really great because we need to look at it as a state of mind and a place. If we think it of just a place, it almost sends a message that we have very little control over it or there is just a geographic scape. I'm just going to walk far enough. And get out of there right or i'm going to wait for somebody to do something it's some, definitely something that is within our ability to do now at the same time i think what you're saying was really cool mackenzie because there is a certain relativity to umbrow right because it could be that what is umbrow for you is having heaven to me right i can have such a perspective or life or behavior in this world that is so unhealthy that hurts me spiritually speaking that when i go to the other side what you think is struggling is a blessing for me right because you are so far higher or more developed than i am that that you know what will be really difficult and unpleasant for you might be like something that's really incredible for me right so there is this degree of relativity relativity that's important for us to consider and know that there is not just one you know, that's why I think that the concept of heaven and hell is, are, are so, I don't want to use the word antiquated because I think that would be like belittling it, belittling it but like so inapt, right? Mm -hmm. Because we evolve. You know? And also limiting. Yeah, 
I think limiting. you guys are touching on something very important because I also believe that Umbrau is not like a physical place, one, two, three, you know, Main Street, whatever. I mean, that's not a physical location per se, but it's not all, it's not only a materialization, it's not only a creation of our minds that connect us with other spirits, right? I mean, it, I think it's, it's a combination of the two. It is a temporary space or temporary place, as we learned from the book, from the book, Nasolar. Because there are, you know, as we call these spiritual colonies that we and see. And others. Are, for right? example, and, and other, sorry, and other books too, right? Not just and other books, yeah, we'll get there. So in other books, but this was the first time we we, we hear or we learn uh, this concept. And also to Mackenzie's point, I personally believe it's a mistake to believe that only spirits of a like, lower, you know, development ended up going to Brown. I mean, as we learn from the book, Andrew Lewis ended up going there. You guys remember, right? Because of his self-destructive behaviors. He was even called suicidal by many, many spirits when he was there. He had addictions. Thanks to his addictions, when he gets there, right? And he, he's asking himself, why are these folks calling me suicidal? I didn't kill myself. Why is that happening? That's the, the, a lot of folks that read the book without paying attention get confused from that, that, that passage. Because why are they calling me suicidal? I'm not, you don't really take care of my life. But the fact that he didn't really take care of this instrument that God gives us, our bodies, actually ended up putting him there. Well, so, I, yeah. can I add some things? Um, I, I agree. I agree with you guys in the sense that um, it's, it's, it's both. That's how I think of it. Um, so... One of the things that I usually like to to kind of put to people to help them to understand is that you don't have to be outside of the body to be experiencing hell, heaven, or purgatory, right? So we 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 are in a mental space right now, each one of us, that you know it can be many shades of gray, right? It's not like we, 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 we have these three areas. So like you guys say, I mean, the, the human condition is uh, there's room for a lot of different conditions, but whatever is your inner experience, your mental experience today, if you were to die the next minute, you would find yourself in the same mental space. But what we have learned with Kardec is that we have um, the universe is filled with what we call this very primitive energy um, that is the uh, universal cosmic fluid, right? And I don't mean to make this uh, too complicated, but think about it as the more most elementary matter that exists. And we know that our thoughts are powerful. The thoughts for the spirit are like the hands for the incarnate ones. So whatever we're thinking, we are manipulating this, um, this energy in the universe. So it creates a zone. It creates an area where the, the constructions are the results. So if our, <clears throat> and here's Thumper with his participation. And he's back. Dog. Yes. And he's back. So, if our if our our inner space and mind and psychic is tormented is 
taken by guilt, by darkness, by feelings of devaluation. Um, sometimes, um, some of us experience from time to time, I'm not worthy of anything, I'm a monster, I'm bad, and all those thoughts. That characterizes where you are mentally, and that is going to manipulate the environment uh, around you. What is really, really cool to think about this is that any dark environment is only a temporary situation because, again, it's mirroring the darkness that we are temporarily in. But no one, no one will be forever in darkness. And that's why there's no such a thing as being forever anywhere because we're always evolving because our essence is light. So the point that I'm trying to make it, yes, we create these spaces and environments that are mirroring our inner state, but as we evolve, as we progress, naturally the, 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 the environment starts to change because our inner reality starts to change. And before I pass it on to you guys, there's one uh, passage on a book of Andrew Lewis that's not Astro City, but where uh, there's a dialogue of Andrew Lewis with one of his mentors. And um, the, the, the mentor points out to Andrew Lewis that most of the souls that find themselves, because the spirits are super, super scared to end up in a purgatory. And what he highlights for, or Umbrau, what he highlights for uh, Andrew Lewis is that the majority of the spirits that were there were spirits who knew better and they violate the laws consciously knowing that and were immersed in a lot of guilt. And the guilt was uh, very much correlated to the knowledge that they have. And it's interesting because he says, you know, the, the most primitive beings, because we still have some in our planet, are not in the purgatory or in the umbrella because they didn't even have the awareness of the, the mistakes that were being committed. So what puts you in a position of, you know, let's say uh, a conflict and in darkness is every time that we uh, violate, that we break the law knowingly, knowingly. That is what really disorganizes us and puts us in this uh, position of, of control and darkness because um, led by guilt. And, and exactly that which we see in Osolar, there is a passage on Osolar that I really like. There's an instructor, like, you know, a more elevated spirit who is guiding uh, Andrea Lewis. I think his instructor Lysias or Lysias, depends on how you want to talk about it. Right. And he tells him that, that Umbrau works as a region of removal for foul mental residues, right? And I think it's exactly that piece. Like, that you know, we bring with us these energies that are created from for our actions because our conscience speaks louder, right? We all have that conscience in us, right? And then we lose our physical body. That becomes even more powerful. And that becomes even more... Uh, clamoring, cl clamor is even more for attention, and we cannot ignore that. And the guilt and the regret and the feelings that we feel are more intense. So we have to kind of deal with those and make sure. And it makes sense that we have more of that if we were doing things conscientiously that we should not be doing, right? Uh, but the good news is exactly that. It is a learning process. 
right? It's something where we can kind of shed those illusions that those residues that we have created energetically about ourselves and that we can kind of move forward to, to a new future because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. We're here, we were created to be happy and we to learn along the way, right? So, so Umbrao in many ways is that threshold as the word implies in Portuguese. So this is an interesting piece. I think Mackenzie alluded to in the beginning, right? In English, the word Umbra has a connotation of darkness and shadow. But in Portuguese, where this work was originally published, like the same word is really more about the doorway and the threshold of a door. So it's really about an area of transition. And I think all of us are going to have our umbrow. That is, all of us are going to transition from the physical body into the spiritual life. It doesn't happen all of a sudden. There's an adaptation period. There's a detachment from the physical body. I mean, you know, a little bit of a period of confusion. And in that process, we are going to be thinking a specific way until we get a little bit more aware, right? And, and aware of where we are spiritually and what we're going to do. So all of us are going to go through our own umbrella, our own transition into the, the spiritual life. We just hope that it's going to be as pleasant and as short as possible. Love that. Yeah, and that, and that short as short as possible. Love yeah, it. and that shortness, I think it's it's very much related to how even how we see time or how we actually see what's what's going on. Of course, it depends on what we are doing and how we are behaving and so on. However, um, one idea is um, that it depends on how where we are in a state of mind for changing. Uh, if we are, and we say this all the time, or we hear, I hear this, or I used to say this. You know, if you sit a minute on top of an ant's nest, it will last forever. It doesn't matter if it's 30 seconds or in a or close to a wasp's nest. It will be crazy. But if you spend like half an hour talking to friends, one hour talking to friends, it looks like it just started. And I just look at the clock. It's 34 minutes that we are here. But it would. So this thing just just flies by. So. Our perception of time and our perception of where we are, it really depends on how much we are, we, uh, mm -hmm. we are suffering while we are there. So if we, if we look at our regrets or at our, uh, as Susanna was saying, as our guilt of what we did wrong because we knew we had the knowledge and we didn't do it, or, um, but we look at it from a perspective of, okay, I didn't know better. Or even if I knew, I thought I knew, but I didn't know because I did it again. So I still have to learn. But if I if I start looking from this perspective, it will take me out of there much quicker. Even if I'm guilty, even if I really did something wrong. Why? Because now I'm telling myself, oh, now I have to get ready to redo it. I have to get ready to do it again, but do it correctly the next time. So it is more uh, of a, uh, I want to get out of here. I, I need to get out of here, but not just because I want help from other people. I need to get out of here and I want to do something to get out of here. And I think that that's one of the main points of what Andre Luis does when he is in Umbro. Because it is a passage. He knows that he's going to get out of there, but he doesn't know how to do it. He doesn't. He, he, he's waiting for something to happen for a very long time until he realizes that, hey, I need to do something. 
I cannot wait forever. I have to be the Spoiler one. Spoiler alert. Spoiler then, alert. Yeah, what does he do? Yeah. And then he prays. And then he starts like focusing. And he prays for his mom. And he says, hey, someone, can someone come here? I, I need to get out of here. I don't know what to do. So can come on. And then he starts like doing something. And all of a sudden, things clear up. So mm -hmm. it's from the inside. It's not from the outside. Yeah. We tend to look at Clarencio coming to him and helping him getting out. But actually, if he had not started, it would have not happened. So it, that, that shows me that it is really like that transition. And that period was eight years. Why? Because I don't know why. It's, it depends on each person. It depends on each spirit. It depends on how much we are ready to, okay, look instead. Look inside. What do you have to do? Is it a prayer? Is it a meditation? Is it uh, looking at someone on the side and trying to help them instead of just having, I want it for myself, I want it for myself. So we are locking ourselves up and we are in darkness all the time. But like Susanna said, once we start to open it up, to embrace, it, it is as if we are opening up and letting that light that we are coming out. And then all of a sudden, what was darkness starts to become a little more clearer. And then mm -hmm. Clarencio, and I love the names of this, the names of people in this book. It's one of the main things that I barely hear anybody talking about. If you go and pay attention to all the names of basically all the characters, they all have a very, very deep meaning. Even the ones who don't have name. Like, and I'm just going to do a parenthesis here. Like Andrea Luisa's mother, she doesn't have a name. And to me, that is more sane than all the other names of the book. She is what? A mother. That's it. She is love, or the best way that we, or the, like, like Chico Xavier used to say, of all the types of love that we have on earth, motherly love is the one that resembles the most the love of God for us. So to me, that's why Andrea Luisa's mother is, is that, is Andrea Luisa's mother. It's just a mother. So coming back to him, so he's, Clarencio is the one that maybe brings the light from the outside, but Andrea Luis was the one that opened it up with a prayer to receive that light from the outside. So um, this you know, yeah. you're on mute too. Muted. Mute again. Tampa was barking, so I kind of. Yeah. So um, it's um, I think what you're speaking about is um, the readiness uh, for change. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, and this is for all of us, we. We say, I want something different for myself, or I want um, a different life, or I want a different situation. And yet, we, we say it, and we want it at a level, but not enough, not deep enough to actually be able to, to transition to mm -hmm. the new experience. So, we, we want it to be done of, for us, right? A lot, we want it to a be lot done of times, for us. Yes, a lot of times people will say, uh, 
I, I, I want, but I, but I can't. And I don't understand why, because I, I want, yes, you want, your one is real. It's just not solid. It's just not stronger or deeper than whatever is holding you uh, behind. So a lot of times you will take a little bit more of uh, staying at this zone of struggle because the struggle will ultimately uh, strengthen the will. It mm-hmm. will uh, materialize in you the, the, the power that's missing so that you can cross the threshold. So when, what happened with Andre Lewis and the time that he was there was the time needed for him to get to that place of redness. So the prayer was done and was heard because he was sincere because he had arrived to a place within where he was truly, truly ready for Mm -hmm. something else. And so he opens himself up and he finds the the, the help that, by the way, had always been available uh, to him as it is always available to all of us, waiting for us, waiting for our readiness to connect to uh, what is already there. And isn't that so like us in many different ways, right? And yeah. sometimes in our lives, we want to change, but we don't want to change, yeah. right? We yeah. want the change to happen or somebody else to do it, but we don't take responsibility for it. We see that perhaps we victimize ourselves a little bit, whatever it is. We want somebody else to do the work and we don't want to, but we want to reap. We want, yeah, we want to reap the benefits, right? And so... And I, I think I, I love that because I loved what we were saying here because I think those eight years that took him in Umbrau, it was the eight years that it took him to fall back onto himself and realize that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he landed himself there through his actions, his attitudes, his behaviors, and that he needed help to get out of there, that he needed to let go of his old way of being and embrace a new one, even if he did not know what the new one was. Uh, and that's when he asked for help. And that's when help was given because help will always be given, right? For those who sincerely want to teaching. do that. Yeah, to me, that's the main teaching. Um, because when, when I look at Andrew Lewis's, right, he was, a, you know, he was a medical doctor. He was a well-off, you know, citizen. He was a decent person. Was he an angel? Of course not. He had some challenges like we all do, right? But then when he sees himself there, he questions, hey, why am I here? What's going on? I have no idea where I am. And he's challenging that he's challenged, he's challenged with that situation, but he's also challenging himself. Why am I here? And the whole eight years took him to reflect. Well, imagine how much how many reflections or how much he had to reflect on that situation to make him wake up for really to reach out to the greater you know good that we have available to all of us. I think this is a this is the learning opportunity that we all have in front of us, that we have assistance, you know, in our reach. We have a way to get help. No matter where we are, how difficult the situation is, there's always help available from us, even if we don't see it, if we don't feel it. Right? To me, that's, that's the, the biggest um, teaching that I saw or that I took from that episode of the book. Uh, uh, and then, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't really have to do the same. I mean, the way I look at this. If I look at Andrew Lewis's footsteps, we don't have to follow the same footsteps because we already know the outcome. 
So thankfully, we read the book, we gotten the knowledge. It's upon us to execute on that knowledge, to practice, to love more, to be more charitable, to reach out, to pray, to meditate, to do all those things that we know helps us, to help us, in order not to fall under the same traps that he did. And yeah. just to really be a better human being at the end of the day. Yep. Right. And what, what I find interesting is that we see that happening, you know, it doesn't matter, um, almost it doesn't matter what series, what TV we watch, what movie we watch, we always see the same type of thing happening. We see a person that's struggling with something, uh, say, we, if we talk about the, 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 the hero's journey, like in, in so many movies, he is reluctant he wants something to change, but he doesn't know or she doesn't know what to do. Lots of friends and lots of people are telling them what they need to do. Oh, you have to go on. You have to do this. You have to. And then he fights back. He doesn't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, whatever reason it is, it wakes up and he says, yes, I have the power. I, I am capable. I, I can do it. It's possible for me to do it. And then, like Susanna said, there's this threshold that... We, we tend to look at it and we, for whatever reason, we don't like to cross it. Maybe because we know it's going to have a lot. We're going to have a lot of work to do. We're going to have a lot of stuff to do. We're going to need to change so much. But when it comes and then we when we change, then we say, okay, that was hard, but it was not as hard as I thought. And why? Because I already walked up to it. So we already did a lot of work walking up to it. And then we, we are able to do it. So it took Andre Luis, Andre Luis uh, eight years. It might take us, uh, some people might stay there for two minutes, for one minute. Some people might not even be there anymore, you know, st don't stay there because their, their mind, their mind, our spirit, the process of what we, how we look at things is completely different. Then we will arrive and look around and say, oh, I, I'm here. Oh, I shouldn't be here. I don't need to be here. So you just keep walking. But some people walk and then say, where am I? Who am I? And that's the other big question. Who am I? Andre Luis didn't, didn't know who he was. And probably that's why he didn't know he was a suicidal. He didn't know that he was hurting himself by doing whatever he was doing. And he had that guilt in some way because he knew it, but he didn't know it. He knew it physically. He knew it because he was a doctor. But maybe he didn't want to accept it. And then that's where, even though we are not conscious of, conscious of it, we, we know and we have that, that, uh, that unconscious thing that talks and speaks to what Susanna was saying before, that what we, we build around ourselves, like our thoughts is our hands, right? Our, our, our hands, and we build the world around us. And it's not only the conscious thoughts that build the world around us because when we die we don't think about i don't think about my glasses i don't think daily about my clothes i don't think at all the time about my beard but when i when i uh when i die i'm pretty sure that when i die i will see myself in glasses in beard and with a big belly that's how i i be, speak for yourself sir Speak for yourself. <laughs> My dad said that he's not worried about his belly anymore because his spirit is very, you know, he, his I mind is already set 
when he dies. No I bad. shall go back to my I shall go back to my ponytail times in, during college. <laughs> my luscious hairs. What, but you what did bring wish. something. But but you did bring something great. Questions. You know, you're talking about question asking himself who he is and what's next. And one of the things that we do like to do here every once in a while is get a question in, right? And we have a question in from a from a friend here. And let's put that on the screen. Anna tells us, what do you guys say about someone who had an overdose and left the physical body all of a sudden by accident? And I'm going to read into the question that she is concerned about Umbrau and where the state of this person is, right? I think that is a natural assumption I'm going to make, Anna, and I apologize if that's not the case, but I think that's connected, right? So do we want to take a, a stab on, on what we think about that situation and how that relates to Umbrau or not? Sure. Um, I think that we, we, one thing that I always like to say when people ask me about some specific scenarios is that we never know the specifics of a case because each person is a person. Each spirit is a spirit. Uh, what led that person to the use of drugs or to the overdose can be different paths for different people. And God's mercifulness is infinite and is an item that we are far from truly understanding. But based on what we have been sharing, there are some general concepts, and that's, as, I mean, as far as we can go, that we can equate knowing them. So if you think of someone who is using drugs, usually that person is a lot of times seeking seeking uh, escape route from himself, from problems, right? Um, and denotates a state of suffering, of struggles, and that is that person in a state. So that in that moment, at least. So that is one general idea that we have. The other general idea is also the type of death. So when we know that when someone is older or has a disease and it's naturally moving towards the natural death, um, the person is also psychically uh, more ready, more prepared because he or she's aware of, you know, that death might be approaching. So that's kind of in the, the, the realms of possibilities. And the physical body, if the physical body is at an older age, will also be less vitalized. Um, because you can think of it, as we get older, we don't run anymore, and we don't have the burst of energies that a toddler has, right? We get tired. I mean, we go to bed earlier and, and etc. because we are losing uh, some of our vitality. So the older you are, and sometimes when we go to, uh, to chronic conditions, uh, it makes the passing process more easy. For the spirit, it's difficult. Any death that is sudden because the spirit awakens without that preparation, because without that understanding of what happened. He, a lot of times, or she can really feel himself to be alive because he or she is, 
uh, without the understanding of the new situation. If the person was materialistic or never even thought about the spiritual life, that can also be another factor. So here are three different factors, right? The, the mental state of the individual, the, the, the closeness uh, to death and the natural uh, cycle of death and the type of death when it's very uh, sudden and unexpected. Those are all factors that make something like this um, difficult. And, um, but again, there are always the, the, the circumstances of that person's journey, which we don't know and we can't say. So we cannot and never affirm that because someone died for an overdose, he's there or elsewhere. Uh, we, we don't know that. Um, but what we know is that, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenging situation. And that's how I would uh, put this, answer this and say one that, you know, calls for our prayers and our uh, support for that uh, spirit. Well said, Sue, especially because we know that our friend is going to wake up, so to speak, on the spiritual world, uh, confused, feeling mm -hmm. lost, and eventually might come to regret that that happenstance, right? right? Because they leave behind people that they care about, people that they love. And that is always heartbreaking and very challenging and very difficult because you end up cutting short the relationships, even though you didn't intend to, right? So there is no place in our hearts other than compassion. There's no place in our hearts for anything else other than sympathy and support for people who undergo such a difficult transition uh, such as this one, right? And we'll, we'll keep this person in mind, as Sue said, right? Like we'll, we'll keep thinking about them because that's what we need. We need to uplift each other, right? And the way we do that is through our actions. And, you know, and sometimes that means helping people while they are incarnate and sometimes helps it also helps them it also means helping them when they are discarnate or without a physical body so so let's do that right yeah Lachlan Susanna earlier on talked about we don't know we have no idea what's God what is God's mercy how how powerful how big and uh, we, we have we really have no idea so just to to take that into this uh the the answer of the question that was uh that was proposed to us is i i'll go back once again to no solar and, and to the same situation with andrea lewis where he says someone t tells him uh, maybe lysias maybe clarencio one of the or one of the nurses he says oh you know you helped a lot of people while you were incarnated you did a lot of good things. You you used some time of yours to provide care for patients without pay. So they you would treat them and they would not pay you. And that was what you needed to do. And you have no idea how powerful the prayers of those ones were to you. And those prayers helped in your recovery and those prayers are why you're here. So one of the reasons why you're here. So of course, it's, a, it's in a different way they say and they mention that, but the idea, the general idea is that. And so um, Umbrau, so to start this wrap up, Umbrau is not 
a punishment. That's one thing that I wanted to say from the beginning. I completely forgot about Umbra is not punishment because despite all, everything I said about purgatory, right? The idea of heaven, hell, and purgatory is not the idea of a, a just God or a loving God. Is in is the idea of a God that punishes. What umbral is and what um, the hell umbral is or the hell purgatory idea is is not of a vengeful or um, or a um, angry God. It's the idea of he lets our destiny in our hands. He lets our life in our hands therefore we are responsible either for our fall or for our uplift so if we are stuck for however long the time is in a situation that's bad we should not and we should understand that god is trying his best with everything that he has around us to take us from where we are and if we keep there, if we are staying there, it's because we still want to be there. And this want is not necessarily a conscious want. It's not necessarily, oh, because I want or I like it. No, it's because it, I still didn't grow up enough. I still didn't cross the threshold of really I need and I want and I'm going to change and I'm going to do something. So umbrow is not a punishment. It's a, it's a consequence of what we are and of our desire to grow and we make mistakes and we we fall and we raise and we keep going wow so much so much uh so much i learned from you guys that is awesome however our time is running out you know it's been great the conversation is amazing uh we did have a chance to go into deep in, into depth into details on what umbrow is all about but it's time for us to wrap. Unfortunately, you know, it's it's been great, but it's really time for us to wrap. So I guess the question I'm going to ask is, if we were to leave with one thought, one main thought about Umbrau, what would that be? I can start. I can answer my own question. I mean, I can start with that. That's good modeling. That's good modeling, Flavio. Good job. No, right? Hey, walk the talk, right? That's all we do. To me, the, the learning is... We're all going to eventually go through there, but it's going to depend on us how quickly or how, you know, you know, how long we're going to stage in that place. It's only going to depend on us and nobody else. Right. I, I, um, <clears throat> I beg to differ because I'm not going. Um, <laughs> and I, I will say that, um, for a lot of people who are very, very afraid of dying, and a lot of one of the big reasons why we're afraid of dying is because of, um, you know, what's going to happen in our consciousness. Um, God does not expect perfection from us. That's uh, unrealistic expectation for us to have ourselves. So what puts us in um, a dark place is not our humanity. Is our resistance to change. It is our unwillingness to open to learn. It's not 
your faults that will put you in a in a in a difficult position is your unwillingness or when you give up and you don't want to get up anymore or when you choose to walk backwards and do not um, accept the flow of life so it is resistance and rebelliousness in the sense of like you know life is showing you the way and you're choosing to go against the flow so do not fear umbral or whatever it is that you want to call this uh, afterlife situation by focusing on the present moment and just going through your life with all your humanity, with your mistakes, with your errors, learning from them and getting to the end of each day, putting your head on your pillow and saying, today wasn't perfect, but I did give my best and tomorrow is a new day. I'm going to start again. I'm going to try to do a little better because if you live your life like this, it's that's where you are with your mind. And at the end of each day, you are in peace with yourself. Be sure, my friend, that you will be in a good place. Love it. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. What about you, Matt? What do you think? What's one thing that, you know, is going to leave with you after today's? So I'm going to say the same, the same thing that Susanna said in a different way. Don't wait. We have to do it. That's the thing. We have to do it. You know, sometimes we we look at the difficulties and we wait for others to change. We wait for, uh, and and when I thought of this, I remembered a song that I I like, and I'm just gonna read a few passages of it. And the world, the the words, the the the, the title of the song is uh, "Waiting on the World to Change," and uh, he see he he says that oh. Uh, we, it's hard to beat the system when we're standing at a distance. So we keep waiting. We wait on the world to change. So it's kind of a punch because he's, he's, uh, he makes me think, okay, am I thinking like this? Am I waiting on the world to change? Because if I'm waiting on the world to change, I'm one that's not, that's not changing the world. So I need to be the, on the other side. I need to be someone who wants the world to change and who needs to do something. So if I want my world to change where I am and not go, even if I'm, I'm, I'm there, I have to change. I cannot wait. I have to do it. And I have to start it yesterday. And hopefully I did. <laughs> if not, there's today. If not, there's tomorrow. But don't wait. Let's do it. There's always time. Yep. Let's not wait. Last but not least. Def definitely, definitely least and last. Um, there isn't much more to say. I think you guys said it so eloquently. I think that what I take away from today is that there is a call to action for the here and now for me to try to live my life in such a way that I'm able to change my values, my attitudes, and my behaviors to that which I think I would want myself to be, so that when I pass from this physical world, which will happen 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, who knows, but it will happen, that my transition is as smooth as possible because I am thinking as much spiritually as I am you know, paying attention to the material world. And that's a really tall order for me. And I have tons of work to do on that end. 
but I think that's the moment, uh, right? That's the call of the moment. And that's why these, these conversations are so great. These opportunities for us to be able to spend some time, right? Thinking about things that are really important to the spirit and to the soul and to help us in some way, shape or form, reprioritize, which is important to us in our lives, uh, double down on the things that we carry with us beyond one lifetime, leave behind the things that will not be useful when we are on the other side of things, right? And so I think that's what I hear. And I think that's why I'm so thankful and so grateful to have a chance to talk with you guys here. Thanks for thanks for doing this, guys. It's really great. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, yeah. everyone. And we thank everybody who is listening as well. We remind them that Spiritist Conversations are available on YouTube or any other podcast platform. Say that twice fast. Podcast platform of your liking. And you can always go back and listen to old episodes. Or you can also drop us a line via social media and suggest topics for a new Spiritist Conversations. And we hope to hear from you and to talk with you soon. So thanks for listening, everyone.